It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Right, we are now... Sorry, I'm going to take a sip of tea. Oh, fuck. No, don't worry, I'm going to also sip some tea as well. I might sip a bit more tea then. Well, I'm going to finish mine then. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Probably leave that in. Hello and welcome to Pints of Football. Where, like Hank Azaria apologising to every single Indian person for voicing Apu in The Simpsons, we would like to apologise to every football fan for voicing ourselves in this podcast. My name is Tom Meadowcroft, and with me, as always, is Daz Napton. Hello, and must reiterate my apologies to all of the fans of Wembley. <laughs> I think there is a Wembley club, but that's a strange and unusual club that I don't I don't know anything about. I think some old pros went there to try and revitalise it and that's that's the last I heard. Yeah, there is definitely a Wembley FC in the uh whatever London league is. Um but yeah it's nothing to do with the actual big boy stadium. It would be cool if um Wembley played in the like Wembley Stadium like uh what is it? What's that team in Scotland? Yeah, Queen's Park. Yeah, they're about to like, leave. Oh, they yeah, they're like building them a smaller stadium, aren't they? Which actually makes sense. Yeah, it's the same when I went to uh, France a couple of years ago and went to watch a team called Bezier, who are in like the third tier of France, played in this massive, massive, massive like rugby stadium. And the most weird thing about it was the match was literally two hours after a massive game of rugby. So they'd had like 50,000 people there watching the rugby and then chucked all them out. And then there's like 30 people come in to watch non-league France. That's amazing. I, I would have I would have liked to have gone to a Queen's Park game to see what it was like before they got moved to the sens- more sensible stadium. But now we never will. Wow. And that, was a, that was a huge tangent. Dear God. Don't worry about it. Let's bring it back in. What are we here <laughs> to talk about today on Ground Crawlers, episode two? Tom, 
Uh, so today we're going to talk about Wembley Stadium because it was the second stadium that we visited together. Um, we have to do these in order. We apologise. We know nobody likes the new Wembley Stadium, especially people that went to the old one, of which I am not one of those people. Um, are you one of those people, Daz? No, sadly not. As a Macclesfield no, no. Town fan, um, the the one opportunity we had to go to Wembley, I was there, which we'll talk about very soon. Apart from that, there wasn't much chance to go. I've heard only good things, but um, I feel like it's the same with Eastville, um, with Bristol Rovers. Like, um, there's a lot of romanticising that goes on about it, but then you get the odd person that said, yeah, but it was a pile of shit also. Mm. Yeah, um, I, I think you, you've kind of got the double whammy because your club has that and also your national stadium has that, so... <laughs> You're probably one of the unfortunate few, I'd imagine. Uh, or, or West Ham fans, they're probably in the same boat. Well, in fact, they're definitely in the same boat. They have, like, yeah. the worst ground in the country now. This is another tangent. Oh, my God. Sorry. Um, yeah, so we're here to talk about Wembley, which nobody likes. Um, I've been there twice. Daz has been there four times. But we're going to talk about times where we went together. The first of which was the Conference National Playoff Final Bristol Rovers versus Grimsby Town in the 2014-15 season, I believe. Uh, yes, it was, yeah. A truly um, unpleasant day for me. Um, probably just a nice casual day out for Daz. Yeah, it was definitely a much nicer day out than my first visit, which was to watch uh, the FA Cup semi-final between Wigan and Millwall, which was just... Uh, 90 minutes of watching Millwall fans killing each other. <laughs> not even not even trying to like attack neutrals or attack Wigan fans. It was just like a big um, fighting <laughs> pit in, and um, we were in the bit above, you know, like the, um, the, the nicer bit, the VIP bit, whatever, just because I got free tickets from my landlord and um, he was like, I can't go. Do you want to go? So, um, yeah, it was a bit of a crazy one. So I, I was quite happy with going to watch uh, Rovers versus Grimsby. I was very happy with it. I mean, I've said this before. I'll say it again. Say what, say what you will about Millwall. They provide exactly what is advertised on the tin and never fail to disappoint. Like they're the only team to have, um, the only fans to have ever pitch invaded at the current Wembley, which, you know, is a hell of a feat when you look at the sort of barbed wire kind of. Not quite barbed wire, but like the um, sort of fencing that prevents you from the sort of under fencing, if you know what I mean. Did they zip wire in? Oh God knows. I'd love to know how they did it. Yeah, you don't, you don't get, you don't get to see that, but you get get to see them on the pitch. Yeah. I'm guessing something was ripped down because there was loads of them. Hmm. If you're listening to this, Millwall and you are a Millwall fan. fan, let us know how it happened. And you know how to use a computer and can type words. Just, just. Stop watching Green Street for a minute and just for a second and just let us know how the hell yeah. did you get onto Wembley's pitch? So I got up really early and I went in the car with my friends from Seven Beach, George, Tommy, and uh, the guy who drove us, whose name escapes me. And um, yeah, it was quite nerve wracking. We could not outmaneuver Barnet all season. Barnet got the one and only automatic promotion place. 
And we had to duke it out with Grimsby Town, who were sort of another team that many thought should be in the league that weren't like us. And we we kind of we went into it thinking, well, we've we've got an excellent chance, but also Grimsby may want it more, maybe a bit more savvy. You know, famously the Grimsby Telegraph like accused Daryl Clark of um, thinking he'd won before he won it. And then there's that like famous video of him pissed out of his mind, um, like slagging him off. <laughs> That's always good. Oh, I miss that man. Well, he's currently got with Port Vale, he's currently got yeah. the country's leading win record, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's got an amazing record at Port Vale now, and good luck to him. And if you can win at Port Vale, then you're an absolute god. <sighs> I miss him. I do miss him. Now we have a psychopath in charge. <laughs> yeah. I did it back yeah. there in case he's listening. <laughs> yeah. Please don't hurt me, Joey Barton. Um, yeah, so not much really to, to say. Didn't bother with any pubs. Just like you, there's a little sort of a corner Tesco on the uh, near the Wembley near the near the Wembleys uh, where you can get like tinnies if you wait for half an hour to get in, and then just sat on the grass. Probably a pretty standard uh, first visit. I just think if I had the facilities to be bothered to look into it how good would it be to open up a pub outside Wembley I think it would be hell on earth you could charge 700 pounds per pint and people would still come in yeah but then it would be like loads and loads and loads of football fans to deal with on like really on like really high really high strong football fans because it's a cup final or well the trick is I thought about this. The trick is just only open, us down. only open before the match. Mm, when I the guess. game kicks off, when the game kicks off, you just wrap it in metal so that no one can break the windows <laughs> and then go on. You and I have a very different idea of what is stressful. <laughs> what, you think you think wrapping a pub in metal is stressful? I think it might be like. <laughs> You know, also, <laughs> do people even go to that area? Like, it would be good, you know, sort of 12 times a year, but do people even go to that area unless there's a game on? Well, I'm guessing if they've got a little Tesco and stuff, there must be people who knock around. I guess. Anyway, we digress. Uh, and then I went to find Daz, and I, I was, I don't, I, I can't remember whether I was wearing a Rover shirt or not, but um, the Grimsby fans looked pretty cool. There was that one guy in the total like grey and white suit who maybe who maybe we should like uh, put on the episode uh, sort of artwork that you do. Mm. <laughs> I uh, yeah, I do like it when the fans really go to town with dressing up for Wembley. That's one of the best things about Wembley. Seeing <laughs> the sea of colours, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we we did outnumber Grimsby quite heavily, but like you know, they were still pretty cool to look at. It was still prominent. You could still hear them singing. I'm not sure if that yeah, was like due to where out, we were. They definitely outsang us. Put it that way. Yeah. But <laughs> I think really because of the it. game, because of the way the game went, I, I genuinely felt like they were really, really up for it. Mm. Uh, it was kind of like a lose-lose situation for them because they weren't necessarily expected to win. Um, and obviously Rovers were very much expecting to win and 
also to get out of the conference at the first time of trying. So for it to come down to this one match meant the pressure was all on on gas, really, wasn't it? I mean, I'm not going to go into the finance and the politics of Bristol Rovers at the time, but um, needless to say, this was a really, really, like, this was a huge crossroads for us. I think um, if we hadn't won this game, we would certainly still be in the conference. We would certainly still be in a lot of debt. Um, We wouldn't be owned by uh, Mr. Alcardi, whatever one thinks of him. He is a better he is a safer pair of hands than uh old Nick Higgs ever was. <laughs> so And also yeah. don't forget the following the following season Grimsby went up anyway. So yeah, it's no, kind I, of I, that... was, I was glad. Yeah. It didn't think... it didn't feel it didn't feel good to uh keep keep um Grimsby in the conference to be quite honest. It did feel good because there was that one Bristol City fan that decided to go in the away end. <laughs> Sad fucker. Well, <laughs> uh, the things you do. I, me, and my, my mates all went in the away end like normal people, but because I wanted to hang out with Daz, and Daz didn't want to pay the high rates, there was a neutral section which only charged a tenner. <clears throat> was it only a tenner? It was only a tenner, dude. I'm pretty sure. Wow. So that's incredible. I was like, you know, I do want to be in the away end, but also a tenner and Daz. That's and now that you. Now that you've said that, because I'm sure non-league finals day, which we're going to come on to in a minute, that was, I think, 15... No, that mm. was 25 quid, I think. 15 quid first year. As well. Yeah, 15 quid first year, 25 quid second year. So, overall, I've been to Wembley four times and spent 50 pounds. Yeah, it's not bad, is it? If you can do it right. And seen six matches. <laughs> And so I was in the neutral end, and like the, it looked like the it was, it was a weird sort of assortment of people. It was people that like um, didn't quite make it. I think there was some like uh, uh, who else was in those playoffs? I can't remember now. Forest Green. I, well, Forest Green don't have any fans, so um, there, was a, there was a couple of trees in the back. <laughs> I remember like the youth team of Bradford Park Avenue were all there. Yeah, yeah. I but I got, that. I got definitely got the sense that everyone in the neutral bit wanted Grimsby to win. I and think I, stu- it, yeah. I stood out a bit every time I like got up to cheer a goal or something. I think it's the underdog effect, isn't it? Yeah. When, you go, when you go as a neutral, you if if the if the underdogs are playing well, you naturally want them to win for for many different reasons. Oh yeah, for sure. Um. But like um, as as much as for the rest of the episode, we are going to probably not be very nice about Wembley. The first time you go, which was for me, like when you come out of the steps and see it all, and it is, it is you know, for a second, you're a bit like, whoa, holy shit, this is a really big day. That's, and that's, that's still the have moment, effect. isn't it? When you yeah. walk, when you walk out, when you walk from the in, inside. Um, into the actual pitch is when you actually get a bit of a goosebump moment of like, mm. wow, this is it. This is where we and are. Just, despite like how <clears throat> horribly commercialized it is and how kind of soulless the place is. And we will get to that. Don't worry. Um, you, you can't take away that. I think it took, it took going as a neutral the next time for me to go and then being trapped inside, which again, we'll get onto for me to finally go, huh? Yeah, this place is a bit. <laughs> oh, that 
yeah, I mean, because I, I went to the non-league finals day two years on the trot and obviously I knew what to expect second time, but oh, what a faff that was. Anyway, so yeah, um, we got out. I'd like to say Rovers did the business, but they had a really, really, really wobbly start where um, I think Leno or John Lewis scored in like the second minute. Yeah, it was uh, I was just like thinking, oh, fucking hell, here we go. Well, a lot of people say uh, to this day that Will Puddy should have been sent off for handling the ball outside his um, area. Um, I'm no scholar of the rules, but I, I, I believe that it has to be considered a shot to be an instant red. And I, what, what I thought it was was a cross. I, if I'm wrong on that, I, I apologise profusely. But either way, Will Puddy was not sent off. Daz is uh, scratching his beard right now, ready to correct me. Well, I'm not sure about... <laughs> I, I'm not sure, but it's funny you should mention the rules and uh, not knowing it uh, inside out, which I must admit I'm the same. Because mm. the one thing I was going to mention, this is a, a perfect time to mention it now, the second time I went um, to Wembley was for the non-league finals day. And on the train from whichever tube bit I came out at, uh, there was a Halifax fan sat on the train and I peered over his shoulder and he was reading the rule book for the FA uh, football, um, you know, the rules <laughs> wow. of football. He was sat reading the book and I was thinking... Very educational use of your time, I guess. Well, I was like, you know, you go into a final, the, the train was packed with all these fans, Halifax fans going mental, and there was just this one guy sat studying the rules. And I was thinking, I feel like <laughs> he's God, the guy who we would have liked to have sat with. Um, oh, no, you, you don't, you just, you don't want to be near anyone who knows the rules inside out, man. They're so annoying. Like, you, you'll, you'll give some sort of opinion, and it may, it, it probably is wrong, but they'll just go, no, read the rules. I know a couple of them. Section eight, paragraph nineteen. Yeah, fucking. <laughs> I like to um. I what I like to imagine is that guy was not a Halifax fan. Really, he was dragged. He was like a nerdy guy dragged along by his friends and given an old shirt. And he was just like, right. I I'd like to know the rules of this endeavor before I before we get there, so that I may follow it properly. I will. <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves. I'll just uh, familiarise myself with the rules. Well, I'm going to do some myth busting here. I reckon uh, what he, I reckon what he was. You know, every so often you see like on Match of the Day or or online or on BBC, and it'll be like uh, fourth official or linesman or whatever gets injured, and miraculously there was a fan in the audience who took <laughs> up, took over as the fourth official. It's bollocks. Yeah, that sure guy's planted. Uh... He's been he's been paid to be there. That guy, he's really he's oh freshening up before the game in case someone gets injured, and then he'll be there in his Halifax top. Me, pick me. I'll be your fourth official. Have you got any <laughs> qualifications? Rips off his top, and he's there, and he's all black. So he's like, hey, bad John. Guarantee it's a big moment. Guarantee he's a mole. He's a mole. It's, um, it's a bit far fetched for for my liking, but we'll say that that was a possibility. I'm telling you. Anyway, Ellis Harrison equalised in the first half. Uh, and then the second half, I can't really remember because I was watching it through my fingers. Um, Blissett came on and wasn't 
particularly convincing. We we do like to talk about Nathan Blissett on this podcast from time to time. It wasn't particularly convincing, but he did actually almost score, um, which he talked about at length in his um, interview with uh, my good friend Jack Newcomb on the Gascast podcast, if anyone wants to listen to that, uh, where he also said Daryl Clark was not afraid of a beer. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I actually listened to that podcast and uh, it was very good, actually. Yeah, 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 and he was an he is he is an awesome he's an awesome guy who we salute once again for getting both of our clubs promoted. Well, not not single handedly, but sort of helping out a bit. But anyway, yeah, uh, it came down to penalties. Um, I was so drunk and terrified that I forgot that they, I kind of forgot the rules of penalties, and I didn't. I didn't. If you do you remember this, I didn't immediately go mental when. Um, when you won. When Lee Mansell uh, promoted us back into League Two. I just went, oh, yeah, brilliant. Okay, back on level terms. Like, no, Tom, that's it. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. And, um, oh, God, I can't remember the name of this poor fucker. Because the, the only reason we won and got our league status back is because the third striker just fucking launched it into orbit. Yeah. Like, the, there's people still making jokes about where that ball landed. It's, I might I might look it up and 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 edit it in. That's yeah. hard to say. I think he was an American player. Anyway, uh, I'll edit it in what he's doing now. Yeah, sounds good. I'll look forward to that. Yeah. So the gent in question was called John Paul Pittman. He was born in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, USA. Um, after his disastrous penalty miss. He did stay on at Grimsby Town for another season, where he was slightly less prolific, but still chipped in with five goals in 28 appearances, and made two appearances in the playoff where Grimsby were finally successful after four attempts, and made their way back into the Football League. Didn't stick around with Grimsby, he went to Harrogate Town in National League North, where he scored 11 goals in 28 appearances. Then went to Torquay United, where he was a bit less successful, and then finally moved on on loan to Truro City, where he retired um, in the 2018-19 season. And that was that. That was Wembo. Wembo. Yeah. And went home and celebrated for the next two years as you got promoted again the year after. Um, it was the start of a very, very good period as a Bristol Rovers fan that is now crashing down before our very eyes. The golden age. Oh, the golden age is very much over. Very, yeah. very much over. But yeah. this is not a Bristol Rovers podcast. Let's move on. Yeah, so the second visit that we went to together... Uh, was, of course, the non-league finals day, which was um, another magical outing. Um, we, well, the, the primary reason for going, from my point of view, was because my team, Mac, were playing in the final against York. And, um, of course, um, if you're going to go for the final of your own team, uh, you may as well go and watch the first game, which was the FA Vars final. Which, um, having watched the uh, the one the previous year, which was between um, uh, it was between Hereford 
and Morpeth, yeah, Hereford right. and Morpeth, Morpeth Town. And Morpeth Town, absolutely, you know, considering yeah. Hereford <laughs> were massive favourites, Morpeth Town won 4-1 in that one, which was an absolute shocker. Hereford <laughs> brought thousands of people. Yeah, and yeah. I'm sure Morpeth... Well, that's it. Me and me and um, our friend Dean, who I went with, we turned up, and I think there must have been only a couple of thousand Morpeth fans. But let's face it, it's a really uh, small club, you know, in the pyramid, and it's about as far away from Wembley as you can get for a final. Yeah, hell yeah. Which is always it always that, makes um... me laugh because there's always, pretty much always. I mean, I'm sure you can look it up. For the last 10 years, I would say in at least eight of those 10 years, there has been a team from the northeast of England mm. in the final. I think I get, I get the feeling that uh, non-league football is very strong up there, which is, is cool. It is strong. It's it's Yeah, it is. It's, it's kind of like, you know, I don't want to be uh, derogatory. I mean, I'm, I've been... But from- I'm about to be. Well, being, being from the north, I feel like I can kind of get away with it. But it's it's like working men's football, really. We're made of different stuff, Tom, you see. Yeah, you know. <laughs> You're a bunch of bansies. Oh, Hereford, <laughs> yeah. They they come over from whatever, Wales. wherever they live in the west, <laughs> somewhere in the west. And then um, they think they're going to be smashing it because they're a famous club. Lose 4-1 to Morpeth. I don't, I don't know how that happened, but it was. I believe Hereford gave them a guard of honour. Um, to be fair to them, like you know, they were just like, "Yeah, well done, you, you, you've absolutely fisted us." <laughs> it, it was, yeah. Like, I mean, I'm not because they got say, promoted that season and won everything else before them. So. It was definitely um, a shock. Uh, the fans <laughs> sure. that the fans that were there were pretty funny. I remember there was one really, really big guy sat right in front, and it was the classic thing you see on match of the day of like the, the Geordie, topless Geordie with like a, <laughs> he was wearing like a yellow and black stripy beret or some weird hat and he just stood up, it must have been about three minutes in and he just stood up in his seat and he just shouts put him on his arse man <laughs> from that moment I was like they're going to win this beautiful and I can also tell you that um, Morpeth played Bristol Manor Farm in the quarterfinals that year. Oh, yeah. Which I believe was a magical day for all the, who attended. I did not, but um, all the Manor Farm fans said it was a great day out, and Morpeth were really cool people. Sweet. Um, but we should probably talk about the actual game we saw. Uh, I'm trying to resist, to be honest. Yes. Well, um, this was the time where I got horribly lost. Well, I didn't get horribly lost. I should have got horribly lost. But basically, um, so my day started at 6.20. I've got some funny anecdotes written down here for y'all. Um, <laughs> uh, got a mega bus from the University of West England to London, Victoria. And um, we had a coach driver named Jerry who be- believed it was his duty to be some sort of summer camp style banterer. Um again at 6 20 in the morning so he's like good morning folks and me and one other person's like all right how you doing and then he's like he pretends to fall asleep so he's like i said good morning everybody and then you have to be like ha 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 good morning oh god i'm stuck on the bus with this insane person 
But uh, then he, um, what his other gag was, welcome to this megabus service to London, Victoria, stopping at Yui, Carlisle, Edinburgh, Oslo, Greenland. And that's when you start um, eyeing the emerging emergency <laughs> exit, just familiarising yourself at least. Have you, I mean, I know you've watched quite a few episodes of Still Game. Have you watched the one yeah. where there's the uh, psycho bus driver who... Um, he just goes mental and just drives out of the city and just is yes. driving down the countryside, just going absolutely off his nut. <clears throat> yeah, I feel that um, Jerry that, could have that become could have that happened. Um, had yeah. we not laughed at his jokes to um, the amount that he desired. I guess, yeah, your your politeness towards the joke may well have saved your may life. May well have saved my but anyway, um, I was uh, I was a drinking on the coach. I I judged that. Um, Jerry would be lenient towards that, and I was correct. So by the time I actually got to London, I was uh, pretty drunk, and um, I, I get very scared on the tube. It's very intimidating to me because I'm from uh, nowhere. Um, but wow. luckily, our mutual friend Holly, who is from London, was there to meet me after like one train, so I didn't go missing. I think Holly's addition <clears throat> to the trip for many reasons, made it um, a much better experience. Because mm. yeah. she, yeah, she had no sort of horse in the race whatsoever. Like, I kind of I wanted Mac to win. You know, I like Mac. Yeah, I think, yeah, she was there for the ride, wasn't she, really? it was. I think she was using it as a chance to go home and see her family for the weekend yeah, yeah. as well. Which Good was time, gal. Time. Yeah, can't beat it. Um, yeah. I've, I also wrote in my blog, which I'm looking at, now to remind myself that there was yeah you know you always you, like you say there's a sea of color at Wembley and stuff and the place was absolutely lousy with um South Shields colors claret and blue another original, northeast but, yeah 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 and um it, it was reported that there was around 13,000 of the buggers which represents 17 percent of the town's population which is insane well, yeah. Uh, n- nothing happened in South Shields that day. <laughs> well, yeah, I imagine they shut up shop and the other 83% were probably in the pubs watching it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Good but, people. like, um, they had an absolute dream season. Um, they won the Northern League Division 1 title, yep. the Durham Challenge Cup and the Northern League Cup. Oh, so yeah. this was their shot at a quadruple. Famous quadruple season. And they had some guy who you knew of and I didn't. Julio Arca. That's the bugger. What a guy. I mean, having him in your team is already putting yourself on a massive um, advantage. You know, he's, he's an Argentinian guy who's played for Argentina under-21s. Hmm. It's not bad, well, is it? Sunderland and Middlesbrough, more yes. importantly. <laughs> You also have Wiki up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. So Cleethorpe's town had only existed for 19 years at this final. They were a fairly new team um, formed by Grimsby Town midfielder Tommy Watson. Yeah, it's a strange one that. But <clears throat> Cleethorpe's town playing Grimsby. Oh, uh, yeah. And Grimsby playing Cleethorpe's. The famous fun fact for boring ground hoppers. Oh, yeah. I can already feel. <laughs> I already feel the uh, excitement of that stat of the oh, Wow, they should change names in my opinion. 
I'd love it if that happened, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> fair enough. Let's change. It won't confuse anyone. It'll be fine. Can we change grounds? Yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I don't know what Cleethorpe's Town's ground is like, but I'm sure it'll meet the football I'm league. Sure, I'm sure it's fantastic. Well, the Grimsby won't be in the football league for very long. Ian Holloway went, went, went in and ruined it. A destroyer exit. I think they just wanted to go back into the conference so they can uh, have another few years to prepare for when they play Bristol Rovers again in a few years. <laughs> a replay yeah. of that final. Can't wait. But um, yeah, Cleethorpes, to be fair to them, they knocked out Atherton Collieries, who I believe are pretty well supported. Yeah, decent. Bromsgro- Bromsgrove Sporting, who are a Very good team. club, yeah. Before the game began, I predicted wins for South Shields and York City, which I, I didn't tell you on the day. <laughs> but I, uh, I put a small bet on Cleethorpes just to get myself invested. Good what idea. Did you, what did you put a bet on, Daz? Well, I, I knew what was going to happen. <laughs> Absolutely knew that John Parkin, uh, you know, non-league football maverick and former Famous Lump. Yeah, famous lump. And yeah, that's exactly, I'm sure, how he described himself. Famous lump. He, um, I bet on him to score first. And it must have been within probably about 10 minutes, I think, that he scored the opener. So, good man. I knew, I knew that if we're going to lose, mm-hmm. I may as well get a tenner or however much I won out of it in the process. So, it's, uh, I'd rather have had the trophy and won the match but a tenner for betting on John Parkin is I suppose a, <laughs> a good um, you know second second thing um, probably paid for one and a half pints at the ground yeah because the thing about the non-league finals day is you get entombed inside Wembley you cannot leave during the time that it takes them to get the second match prepared Oh, it's, so, yeah. it's, you're in there so long. And the reason you're in there so long is because obviously they have to leave enough time if it goes to extra time and penalties. Yeah, yeah. Which is another hour. So I think it is, it's something like two hours, maybe two and a half hours of, of turnaround. And neither of the times I've been to the, the double header has the first game lasted more than 90 minutes. So yeah, you're stuck in like a, a cage basically with with other people <laughs> the, the the thing is though the frustrating thing is they encourage you to go early and support the um the 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 vars final which is great but all they literally did to have to do while you hang around is they put a couple of table football table machines in there which you have to pay to use and mm. keep the expensive and uh ridiculously not very nice bar open yeah i think i got like one or two points in there but everything was everything was the wrong side of like four quid which was a lot back in those days uh, I'm, I'm sure it was more i'm sure a pint of bud which was the pint they did i'm sure it was like 550 oh i might be thinking yeah. of west ham when i went there either way it's london money and we don't have london money do we tom no, we do not. It was a very hot day as well, I remember. So being in the bowels of Wembley was quite stifling. That's when I started my thing, which I very quickly gave up to try and get a picture of myself with someone wearing a shirt from the entire 92. It was a good idea. So I just, it was just my way of, like, you know, chatting to people. 
And there was one guy there and like uh Scunthorpe. No, not Scunthorpe. Who was the team that you liked the Scarborough? Oh yeah. There was one guy in a Scarborough shirt and like I'd taken a picture of all, all the people around him and he's like, Oh, do you want me as well? And I was like, Yeah, I'll have you as well, but you don't count towards what I'm doing here. But I well, don't want to tell you to fuck off. <laughs> if, if in five or ten years, if Scarborough eventually make it back to the Football League, which I believe their ambition is, um, at least you'll have had a head start if you retry and do that con- uh, that project again. Indeed. Um, Every cloud. I do think that combining the two finals was, on balance, a good idea because the advanced finals used to have like embarrassingly low attendances. Yeah, it is definitely a better idea. The the other argument, of course, is that they throw it out to somewhere like Villa Park or yeah. another relative decent um, football league ground where it'll be filled and it'll be a good atmosphere and it'll do the club some good. But I yeah. guess these I guess these days, if you're Villa and you're in the Premier League and you're on Sky every week, you probably don't care about having an FA Vars final there. The the problem here was that um, all the Cleethorpes and South Shield fans um, didn't want to stick around because they had a really long way to go back. Last train, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, the, that's the one other thing with non-league finals day is because it's on a Sunday, yeah, it's hell getting home. Uh, I mean, I was lucky because the first time I went, well, I was living in Stoke and it's probably about two hours on the train from... Uh, from London and um, the second time we were staying in Southend so um, again it was only like an hour but if you lived Cleethorpes or Grimsby or wherever God knows how long it takes must be about four hours on the train indeed I think was this the season that like York got relegated to the Conference North yes so interestingly with all the times I've been to Wembley there's been a link so the first time I went uh, we saw Grimsby, who obviously play in Cleethorpes. The second time, we saw Cleethorpes, who play in Grimsby. And for two years on the trot, I saw York and Halifax win the FA Trophy and get relegated in the same season. So, uh, funny old game, eh? I don't really have uh, much to say about the game. Have you got anything else to add? Nah, it was... it was 3-2. Yeah, 3-2. It was a good game, I think. It was, actually. <laughs> For all the uh, pressure Mac put on, because obviously at the time Mac were sort of one of the top three or four conference teams, and um, I remember we beat Tranmere, we beat Dulwich, we we had a real sort of good run to the final, and on the day we sort of put all the pressure on the whole time, but ultimately we went one nil down, two one down, and then right at the end, four minutes before the end, three two down, so. I think as much as it was a fairy tale for York, it kind of always felt on the cards because for all the pressure we were putting on, we just couldn't hit the target. We were having plenty mm. of shots, but they were all from outside the box. Granted, one of them did go in and it was a cracker to equalise to make it two all. But apart from that, it was um, just one of those things. And I was happy to see York win as well. because Yeah, uh, to be fair. Yeah, they're a good club and uh, one from near back home. <laughs> All right. So do we have, before we end, do we have anything to say about Wembley itself? Big, red, soulless. That'll do. Uh, let me just find a joke. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, 
Oh, actually, one thing I do want to say, um, despite what I just said, I would still love to go to watch England play there. Just once. Oh, for sure. Just once, because we're, we're sort of describing it in its sort of undercooked, half-filled form, aren't we, really? We haven't experienced England versus Scotland no. in the Euros. We've, ex- we've experienced non-league clubs getting their big day out. So, mm. yeah. And so Bristol sort of cacking their pants. Yeah, exactly. To end on a more positive note, I would definitely love to go and watch England mm. versus whoever, preferably a, a, a decent big team rather than a... Um, you know, England, San Marino or whatever. <laughs> I'd still yeah. go to San Marino. Well, I'd go and watch San Marino at San Marino, but I wouldn't be that bothered <laughs> about watching England versus San Marino just because, yeah, I just can't imagine the atmosphere being as good as what it would be for, like, England, Brazil. The sum of my international, like, experience is watching England women versus Bosnia and Herzegovina women at Ashton Gate when it was still being demolished. So it wasn't very good. Yeah, I've had much better international experiences. <clears throat> Obviously went to watch the under-21s play in Italy, which was really nice. But, yeah, I think that's definitely the key. Get ourselves to a proper England game, and then we can definitely say that Wembley mm. is big, red and soulless. Take our shirts off and paint our faces and sing sing uh, questionable songs about World War II. That's the one. That's what it's all about. Anyway, here is my joke so we can end our suffering. I say, I say, I say, Daz. A slice of apple pie is £2.50 in Jamaica and £3 in the Bahamas. These are the pirates of the Caribbean. He likes that one, guys. <laughs> oh. See you later, guys.
about 40 years from when the Sky deal came in. Of just, well, 30 years, sorry, or 40 years, I can't work out. It's too early. Um, yeah, the Sky deal started it. You give the power to these clubs, and then UEFA then joined, joined in to the fund, giving all sorts of concessions and power to all these European clubs. You know, you create a monster that then gets out of control and then turns turns on its owners, you know, effectively. Um, you know, I was trying to explain to, um, yeah, to someone in my family, you know, like, uh, you know, it's like, yo, the clubs have more power than the governing bodies of the sport. Like, how crazy is that? But you think about it, and it's not, it's not even that crazy when you look at, like, the wider, the wider society, right? corporations and companies have like way more power than certain governments and officials and things like that so it shouldn't be surprising but it's just the way the game's gone um it makes me sad makes me sick like regarding the Arsenal perspective I just I couldn't be more ashamed um the club's gone <laughs> I mean the club's ever since Dan Kroenke took over um, moved to the Emirates and everything else the club's just been on, on such a downward trajectory effectively Kroenke took over a club that you know with a history of winning trophies allowed it to stagnate and is now trying to benefit profit really from past history and it's just so it's so disgraceful that I can't even put a, put a word to it. I hate that cunt so much, dude. It doesn't even it doesn't doesn't come to games. I can't remember last time you've been to an Arsenal game. Lives out in the States. <laughs> he owns what is it, the LA Rams now. They used to be the St. Louis Rams because he fucking bought the club, promised he wouldn't move uh, the club like they do in America, moved into LA a few years later. Build, uh, he's built a new stadium essentially by getting loans by, by securing loans of his ownership of, of the Arsenal this man could have been more hated if, if he tried also married to the Walmart heiress I think the first daughter I mean in a completely different stratosphere in terms of wealth has never put any of his own money into our club and now he's gonna basically make what about 300, 300 million a year. I think that's, that's figures they're talking about a season in a, in, in a fucking franchise league. Basically, you don't get relegated. What have we done to even deserve a place in that? I mean, let alone put put aside this is a fucking horrific idea. The competition element, the merit of qualifying for your own league. But what have we done to even? think we're deserving of a place mate the arrogance is just infuriating mate Tottenham Oxford mate do you know what I mean like, I don't even want I'm not to touch Tottenham Oxford mate not even fucking one league trophy in god knows how long but Arsenal like just, we drew against Fulham the other day mate do you know what I mean like it, we got no business in this conversation no business whatsoever but here we are I don't know like I said mate I've, I've kind of gone through the gauntlet of emotions
influenced by it. I'm kind of sad again now and a bit more apathetic because I think that ultimately, even if the plans get derailed, like I think they will, because I think there's going to be too, way too much opposition to it, this will happen inevitably. This is the future, really, of football. Because when you when when you got such a concentration of power within a small group of clubs, because really it's like it's about twenty to thirty clubs really that have the biggest amount of power, right, in Europe. And when that happens, you know, the game's gone. And I hate to say it, you know, it's, it's such a fucking cliche phrase, but the game is gone because this is the end game now. Um, you know, how do other clubs compete? They haven't. And actually, when you think about it, over the last 20 years of watching football, think about think about where, like, think about the leagues around around Europe, like the Premier League. We're in our own bubble, right? But look around Europe, mate. Bayern Munich winning like nine nine league, uh, nine league titles in a row. Juventus was it six seven in a row. PSG obviously dominating their league. This is where the game's going. This is where the game has gone. This is where the game has got to. Like, this is the next logical step for them. And these American owners who've come in, it's not just American owners, obviously, but they've just wanted to keep keep all the profits to themselves and make sure that they stay rich and they stay profitable. Just yeah, I don't know. I'll leave it there. I want to hear your thoughts on it, man. I feel just sad and angry talking about it, dude. So you probably hear from my voice. Um, yeah, what's your thoughts on it, dude? I want to hear the socialist perspective. But then again, I mean, I don't know. I've had arguments with people before about football and about the hypocrisy of me loving a game that's a capitalist cash grab and I've always defended it I guess because I've grown up loving the game and loving Arsenal and everything else but something that I've always known it's clear that money runs it but this is like the curtain being pulled back now you know it's so clear it's like the Emperor's got no clothes on you know and I think this is just I don't yeah, I think this is just a big moment in football, mate. It changes everything. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.